You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, um, again, we are going to do sort of a Packernet after darky thing. Uh, I don't really have a ton. I was thinking about not doing it because we had the two press conferences, but they were so not interesting to me that I really just don't want to go through it. Um, Matt LaFleur in particular really had nothing to say. In fact, you can tell that this was something that was obligatory that they had to do. And both of them went to the podium with the intention of saying, dude, I don't know, man. We haven't even started yet. You're asking me questions. We haven't even, I don't, Matt LaFleur literally said, I don't even know who's here right now. He said, I'm assuming everyone's back. I don't even know. I haven't even seen the players yet. What, do you, what could you possibly be asking me? So it really was just, a, I mean, there's no new information because there can't be because there is literally no new information. Um, the only slightly interesting thing was Brian Gutekunst was asked about Magoo, which I thought was quite hilarious. Um, some people may have taken away a bit of a positive spin. I took a very negative spin away from it. Obviously, depends on where you stand on it. But essentially, he, he said a bunch of positive things. But the one big takeaway that I got from it was he said that they've been interested in him since he was in the NFL. What does that mean? It means it wasn't his back-to-back MVP performances necessarily that really pushed him over the edge. They've been considering going out and getting this guy for some time now. So what they like about Magoo is what they liked about him prior to him even going to the USFL. So it just kind of flies in the face of this, like, man, he he really showed something in the USFL. It's like, no, not necessarily. He showed something in the NFL, which if you look at his NFL resume, then you say, you really like this guy? And the Packers are like, yeah, dude, we like this guy. It's like, what are you guys smoking? That's the point. But um, otherwise, players are in the building. Well, I mean, this is this is Wednesday's podcast, man, so you made it. I'm not there yet. I still got to go to sleep and wake up. Hopefully, I managed to wake up because that would suck if I... <laughs> that would be a cruel trick of the universe if I didn't wake up tomorrow. But uh, players are in the building ready to rock and roll. Um, Tariq Carpenter and Tervarius Moore were put on the non-football injury list. Otherwise, again, really not a ton to uh, talk about. Uh, some breaking news, sort of NFL-wide, uh, the Chargers and quarterback Justin Herbert have agreed to terms on a massive five-year, $262 million contract. That's freaking crazy. That is $52.5 million. And you say, well, 
yeah, but that's that's not going to be fully guaranteed. I want to see the details, and believe me, I do too. But I think like 220 of it is fully guaranteed. <laughs> so it's like it's it's 52.5 per year, and over 50 of that per year is guaranteed. So it's for all intents and purposes, it's a fully guaranteed contract. 262.5 million. Man, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. That dude is so rich. That's like Powerball numbers, man. That's like that's like winning the old Powerball right there. And look, I mean, as far as the press conferences, you, you can you can dig into that and come away with I'm sure there's all kinds of hot takes from it. I'm just not taking away a lot from it. I think there was a lot of um obfuscation, if you will. A lot of just yeah, sort of maybe. Kind of like how we got to this whole situation of why everyone believes we're going to make a change at center. I don't remember the exact quote. I need to go back and find it, but I'm pretty sure it was more or less like the the question was asked and they were like, yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's never actually a statement like this is what we're going to do. When you understand that the Packers are always going to say it's an open competition, always, then you realize that most of the stuff that they're saying is just, you know, are you going to go get a, a, a free agent? Yeah, maybe. Let's see how things play out. Oh, they said they might go get a new player. <laughs> okay. Oh, dang. Live update just for me. Justin Herbert will make $100 million in cash this calendar year. The most ever in the first year of a contract. He's going to make $100 million this year. I mean, he's going to be making minimum wage the next four years, but dang. Dang. Actually, we're, we're talking like $20 bucks a year for... Uh, actually, it's like $25, is not it? If it's 100 this year. There's four more years. There's a hundred more guaranteed. Yeah, it's like twenty-five million in your pocket every year on top of the hundred million dollars. I can't even imagine that. Lucky man. It's not luck, but anyways, let's get to the let's get to the phones here, folks. Good morning, Pat Daddy. Hey. Um, I appreciate you dropping the uh, after dark in the uh, episode uh, late last night, so I can. Back on the road here in Champaign, Illinois. Continuing my trek north. A um, couple things. Um, since I have a platform here, the left lane is for passing. <laughs> you travel in the right, when you get over in the left hand lane, you should feel bad about it. I got to be honest, man. I, 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 man, you guys get me on this driving stuff. And it's just, it's a whole other thing. I, I am just, part of the reason I get so upset is because I'm dumbfounded by people that don't know this. Who are they? Because all of us talk about this. Everybody understands it. You get on social media and there's like memes about it and everyone's like, haha, yeah, that's so funny. Oh, that drives me nuts. Who are the people that don't even see the memes? Or they see it and they're just like, I don't get it. Or, or is it, I, I, who are these human beings? I, I legitimately, like, I don't want to have a road rage raid, raid, incident uh, I just want to run one of these people off the road so that I can have a conversation with them and just say like just tell me about your life man tell me about how you grew up tell me what in the world is happening like are you just stoned out of your mind are you drunk are you uh, did you come out of a cult where you didn't learn things who are these people I don't understand it because, I mean, listen, occasionally it's, 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 it's nuanced, right? Like, you get over in the left lane and it's like, you know, you probably shouldn't be here. But at the same time, I understand that the people in the right lane, if it's a two-lane thing, they're going a little bit too slow. 
and you want to pass him, you should step on the gas a little bit here, you know, like go a little bit above your comfort zone so we can all kind of get through this. But there are people who just live in that lane. And I'm I'm such a psychopath. I'll just sit behind him. And my wife's like, why don't you go around him? I said, because I don't, I shouldn't have to. That's why. Because you're not supposed to pass on the right. That's, that's, you're, you're not supposed to even do that. But it's beyond, I, I want to sit on your bumper. Just, just to see what happens. Like, I'm staring. I'm looking in behind their window, into their rearview mirror, trying to get a glimpse of their face to see, like, is there a moment where they look up and go, oh, shoot, and then they get over? If I see that, then I'm like, all right, you know, you're zoning out. Like, come on, dude, wake up, we're driving here, whatever, I'll keep going. I know you see me, and I know that you can tell that I'm too co close to you. What is it in your brain that just doesn't comprehend what's going on? I, I just, I just... Just for the life of me, don't understand that. I just don't. I don't get it. What are we doing here? Man. Okay. That was the driving stuff. Yeah. I hope these dispensaries open before I leave the state. Okay. <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers' uniform picture of the Jets. Who cares? Uh, I didn't see a post. I don't know, I was scrolling through Reddit or something, and uh, it was an NBA Twitter account or something that had posted a picture of Rogers, and they captioned, uh, how would you explain this in NBA terms? And Keyshawn Nixon quote tweeted it, and replied, he said, Michael Jordan on the Wizards, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yep. I love that, dude. <laughs> him and Amos and, uh, what was it MBS back in the day and MBS and Kenny that was a funny duo Twitter back and forth yeah. so glad to see he got still on top of it so um, anyhow you listen to the after and go into the uh today uh, losing you a little I bit I thought about I'm in the middle of Joe's call right now and okay. I don't know seems a little sus that all these people are coming around now I'm wondering if maybe the uh, the voice actor angle isn't actually true you know I mean you put all these people calling in and doubting doubting you but it's actually yourself fomenting doubt in the listening base and then you come back in and change your note or <laughs> you know truthorize yourself with all these different voices so I'm not going to say I'm a denier now but I don't know I'm getting a little uncomfortable with the overwhelming truth or support now anyhow shalom so, so the theory now is Joe's Joe's fake, or maybe he's the only real Joe. I don't know, but but Joe's fake. But Joe is also like ten other people that call in. So there's one guy doing about ten different calls, and Joe's one of them. And so he called in and was like, "Hey, I think this Joe guy is fake," which is actually maybe his only true self, which would be kind of funny, or he is fake. I don't know, just to kind of drum up interest or something. And then we start this whole thing about is it real, and then he has all those other persons call back in and say, I think it's real. I mean, I, I guess maybe. I guess I guess maybe could be the answer. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Jacob. Not, Jacob. Not uh, Joe. 
But anyway, it's about 6.30 a.m. Sunday morning. I am at the smokehouse that I work at. I was nice. just listening to the Packer Night After Dark, and I heard a gentleman talking about what he uh, what he does for smoking brisket. I just wanted to throw this out there. This is what basically what Famous Dave's uh, Old Southern Barbecue is owned by Famous Dave's. Famous Dave got to corporate, um, so he sold the rights, kept the naming rights, blah, blah, blah. By the way, it's actually a really cool story. So... Little inside, I tried to work with this company that Jacob's at. I, I felt like we were real close, and then it just fell through, I guess. But a, as much as I shouldn't promote them since they decided they didn't want to work with me, dude, Jacob sent me some of the rubs and some of the sauces. Those are probably some of the... I don't know how the sauces are gone. I don't know if they just got thrown out. I don't think I used them all. Some of the best barbecue sauces I've had, and the rubs are legit. But it, it's actually a cool story. I saw um, so famous Dave talks about his story, and then he kind of gets into this new um, uh, barbecue place that he built, which is like in his hometown, which it's funny because it's like this is not where you would typically think of barbecue, but he's made it work essentially not once but twice. But anyways, yeah, it's a very cool story, and um, if you find it, I don't know where you'd find it. I can't send you a link or anything, but um, it's, it's you should check it out. So what he does, what we do... Uh, we'll season our briskets around 7 p.m. or so, throw them in the smoke around 7.30, 8 o'clock. I get here around 6 o'clock, 6.30. When we throw them in at 7-ish, 7.30, it's at 200. We let them sit at 200 all night. We get here at 6.30 in the morning. We wrap them in butcher paper. That's a very big port, uh, part of it. You have to find butcher paper. It's not easy to find. Kind Sometimes some local butchers and uh, delis will have it. I tried to order it on Amazon, and every time I'm like, I'm doing it, man. I'm, I need butcher paper, whatever. And then I look at how much it costs. I'm like, I'm going to make one brisket for the rest of this year. I don't I don't need that much money in butcher paper. I'm just cheap. I don't know. Now you can order it online. you got to wrap it in that paper, and then you kick the heat up to 250 for about another two hours until that internal temperature gets to 195, 200 tops. Pull that out. You let it rest. It's very important. You let it rest outside at least for 45 to an hour. After that, that thing is ready to go, dude. You got that bark on there. You got all the good stuff. I'm telling you, it is perfect. Um, if you're looking for chickens, we do the same process. We're heating it up at 250. We go the half chickens. We put them down the spine. Yep. The spine, and then uh, about I don't know, two two and a half hours, they'll cook out to 165. I'm a little nervous with chicken, so I go 170. After that, we should, uh, it's good to go, man. You got ribs that go to 195. We do those at 250 for about two and a half to three hours. Uh, we do St. Louis style ribs. So, anyways, that's how we do it. Trying to give you guys a little hint. It works flawlessly every time. Go back, go. Shalom. It's actually pretty awesome because I've, I've always wanted to ask Jacob, but I felt it would be inappropriate to be like, hey, give me the inside secrets of how this smokehouse makes their stuff so i just never asked but he just called in and told everybody in the world so i appreciate that yeah but i'm i am just hankering i've got one more uh pork picnic roast that i gotta do that i'm i'm just it's getting to the point where it's like you need to man up and do it or it's gonna end up bad and you're gonna throw it in the garbage it was good it's just it's just a lot of work that i don't feel like doing for this little thing which i mean the kids loved it whatever i'll make it but i i think i think Brisket is my next thing that I'm going to get. It shouldn't be. I should get cheaper cuts of meat. I should just get, you know, pork for the rest of my life. But um, I, th I, I think I just need to get a brisket. I, I enjoyed it so much the first time, and I really want it, especially now that you just 
kind of laid it out there. I don't think that's really different than what I would have done anyways. I usually, like for pork butts, I put it on late at night. Sometimes I don't, but I always regret it. I just can't sleep very well because I, I just put it on my pellet smoker, which is sitting right next to my house, and I just keep thinking, like, something's, something bad is going to happen, man. That thing's going to flare up and start my house on fire, or it's going to die out, which has happened once. The pellets ran out or something happened, and it's like, oh, so you've just been sitting here at, like, nothing degrees for hours. Great. This whole thing is ruined. But, yeah, put it on late. Wake up in the morning and then just start checking temperatures, see kind of where we're at. Probably need to spray it down a little bit or whatever. I bought a new sprayer. I'm pretty excited about that. The, the last time I, the reason I bought the sprayer is because the last time I decided I was going to make, I think it was ribs, and I just pushed it through without wrapping. And that was, you either got to wrap or you got to spray. You can't just push it through without doing anything because it just kind of turns the outside into leather or whatever. Still delicious, but you get kind of that tough exterior on the outside. But you said you cook it at 200, which usually I'm, you know, sticking at 225-ish, maybe even a little higher because that's what a lot of people do, but I'm, I'm fine doing 200. I like the lower the better. And I don't think you said when you wrap, aside from when you get in the morning you wrap it, but I think generally it's when you, you get to a point where there's just no more smoke that's really going to get on it, which I think is roughly around the time of the stall, which is about 165-ish, I think. 160 is when your meat, it's when pork butt it usually hits their stall. But you get to a certain point where the meat's just not taking on any more smoke, so it doesn't really matter. So you wrap it, push it through the stall, etc., etc. You said as soon as you wrap it, crank it to 250. Two more hours, gets to 195, 200. Usually I see a little higher than that, but it's not about temperature, it's about tenderness. But start probing it, see how it goes. Let it rest. Very important, you let it rest at least 45 to an hour. That also helps continue to essentially cook it, break down the fibers, etc., etc. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think I gotta I think I gotta do that. What I really, 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 really wanna do one of these times, whether it's a pork butt or a brisket or whatever, probably do pork butt because I don't want to spend the money on a brisket and ruin it. I need to go all the way through on my Weber. I'm just terrified. And it's <laughs> like it you're not getting a podcast the next day, by the way, because I'm not coming in to do the podcast. I need to be out there tending to that thing. But I need to do it. I think I think the next time I do a pork butt, I'm gonna try to do that. Cause you at least gotta tend to it until it gets to that point when you're ready to wrap it. Because at that point, you can bring it in the house, put it in the oven. doesn't really matter. Anyways, sorry. I'm just, I'm geeking out. But I, yeah, I got to try that. And I appreciate uh, appreciate the insights, Jacob. Yeah, Jacob, again, sorry. I don't need a double call. I know that's a no-no. But Please do. Uh, I didn't address the caller's actual question. When you're trimming the fat on a brisket, you want to leave, it in, in famous Dave's opinion, you want to leave about at least a quarter inch to a half inch Simply because, like Ryan said, you trim that out first, you season it, that seasoning soaks into the meat. You don't want to cut that off. Plus, it has a little bit of flavor. Yeah, baby. And also, you want to make sure that you don't dry out the meat, which is the biggest uh, no-no when you're doing a brisket, especially slow and low, when you're doing it for a long amount of time. You keep that layer of fat there because it insulates that lean meat inside, and it makes it not dry out and keeps that all juicy and whatnot. As far as the pork butts go, I don't cut nothing off our pork butts. As soon as we start breaking them up, though, you see pockets of fat. So it's really important as you're cutting down that pork butt, which is what we do in front of the guests, like, as we're cutting it up, like, what do you call that? Like, hibachi style, you know? And uh, you grab those fat deposits, um, chunks of them. You'll have a little bit of, like, a a bone sliver here and there kind of thing. So you want to make sure you clean that meat up and then you toss it into our little sham where we have like the, uh, put a little bit of au jus in there so it stays nice and moist. Sounds gross. Anyway, so that's how I do it. That's how we do it. Go Pat, go. Shalom.
Yeah, pork butt. I usually usually don't do that either because I I mean it's it's good because you're 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 not eating it like you would a brisket. You're mixing it all together, and and I don't mind a high fat content in with it. But there are sometimes like a real big thick layer of fat, and I have trimmed that off at times because a lot of times what'll happen is it just it's just sitting there when it's all done, and it's like I don't want to have to grab this thing and throw it in the garbage anyways. It's just a little bit too much. The other thing though. On a pork butt, there's this weird area where there's like a thin layer of meat in between two thick pieces of fat, and I'm not about to throw that in the garbage. You just like start scraping away the fat, and you get to that thin piece of meat that's sitting in there. That's good stuff right there. Hey, dude. Brandon hey. again. Um, just at 39 North, uh, so I'm wondering if that breakfast roast is done. Yeah, I don't know. Let me know where to go. Uh, let's talk about running backs for a second. Okay. Um, yeah, market price is market price. You don't see me and a bunch of customers get up in arms and crab legs go up to 40 bucks a pound or whatever they go up to. <laughs> um, it seems like what the running backs are doing is, they're, I don't know, man. They have to be setting the stage for the next CBA. Um, trying to move the NFLPA into pushing for a positional based salary cap, even maybe with their own contract stipulations per position or group. Now that you mentioned that, that actually makes sense. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea um, that, again, could end up hurting the running backs in the long run anyways. But I, I could absolutely see, because people are short-sighted and, and don't think about these things, at least something insofar as um, minimum increases. You know, Because, for example, one of the things that you keep seeing is these charts showing not just the, the, the pay and how low it is and kickers and all that stuff, but you see positions the the average salary of each position going up as a percentage the running backs have actually been going negative so i could see something in terms of that needs but i don't even know how you'd regulate that because that's that's a running average and so what i mean i could technically still offer a running back four million dollars we just need the average so how, how do we regulate average i guess i don't know um unless you put a hard limit on a floor for running backs but how would you even do that what do you do about i mean it would have it would have to be only on second third fourth contracts but even then all that's going to do is um you're just you're just not going to have a job (laughs) you know you're going to be replaced it's it's again it's the mcdonald's replaced by robots thing you will be replaced by an undrafted free agent you'll be replaced by a fourth round pick that's, that's all that's going to happen, because if you're not worth it, you're not going to get that amount of money. So you can try to force whatever you want, but you can't force... And, and this is where... <laughs> again, people, people don't learn, because it, it's just a matter of... It, it's, it's not that you're wrong, right? Of course you're not wrong about this. It's just that people are being unfair. And so what's going to happen is the NFL is going to say, okay, fine, then we're just not going to pay you, and we'll, you're just out of the league now, and we'll just replace you in the draft. Well, we can't do that. That's not fair. So now we have to force you to give them another contract. You know what I mean? We keep doing this stupid stuff like this, and it's just it's just complete and utter nonsense. And it's never going to work. And every time you keep pushing, it's just going to make things worse. Um, and it, it, again, it's just based on a false premise that 
the reason this is happening is because some rich, greedy billionaires who just gave their quarterback, by the way, you know, $262 million, almost fully guaranteed. Those guys are so greedy that they won't give their running back an increase from $5 million to $8 million or whatever. <laughs> like, shut up. If they were worth it, they'd pay it, you big dummy. Makes no sense. You want wide receiver money? Let me ask you, why are wide receivers getting that money? Uh, duh. I'm not sure. But as the caller was saying, if you start doing two-year contracts for running backs, do we get to do eight-year contracts for quarterbacks? Ten-year contracts for linemen? I mean, hell, first-run offensive lineman, a left tackle, get them for ten years? I mean, I don't get it. If you were an NFL team, would you draft any player if you were only able to get them for two years? Think about that. Teams trade up into the first round to get that extra year. You would see running back plummet in the day three. You wouldn't get a running back in day one or day two on a two-year deal. Not going to happen. Right. No, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I, I at first I was going to disagree with you because it's like, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be drafting them because they don't mind the the uh, the two-year investment in a running back because it gives them more flexibility or whatever. But you're right. At the high end, that's where there's going to be problems because I'm not using a first-round pick on two years of a running back. But yeah, sixth and seventh round, heck yeah. I'll load up and, and, and undrafted free agency, right? We'll just let them all fall into undrafted free agency and just pick them all up. Um, so you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's just, it's, and again, it's just another example of every time we try to just force something that we think is morally right, you're just going to make it worse. We do this every single second of every day in society. Well, this is wrong. Well, it's just the way it is, man. I mean, it, it's not some horrible thing. It's just... It's just reality as it's... Well, I don't like reality. I'm going to change everything. Well, congrats. You just made everything worse because you're short-sighted and you don't know what you're talking about. Well done. You're just going to hurt everything. And you're, yeah, you're 100% right. All those first-round picks, nobody's nobody's going to be a first-round pick. Why in the world? It, it's already valueless to get a running back in the first round now. But at least now you get not only four years, you get a fifth-year option. So it's an extra added bonus. So it does provide that value. Who in their right mind would use a top 20 pick even on two years of running back play, and then you're going to have to give them a big contract if you want to keep them? No chance. right? Again, you'd probably rather just redraft somebody if you have a running back, and then after just two years, they're like, hey, I want $20 million. Like, <laughs> you're stupid. Which, again, that's the point anyways. You're not even going to get the contract that you think you're worth, even if it is a little bit more because you're only 23 instead of 25. Okay, fine. Maybe you get a little bit bigger of a contract, but I, I'm I'm just going to draft somebody to replace you. But again, I'm not drafting somebody in the first or second or probably even third round. But yeah, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, sure, I'll, I'll take a crack at it. Assuming we're talking first round talent in the fourth round. I don't know. They're pissing in the wind. They're going to ask the NFLPA to fight for them to look into other players' pockets and take their money away. Right. 
Let's try the Bonte. You know, or at least he was asked a question about Jacobs, and yeah, he supports them and hopes he, they can work something out. But you're not going to see Devontae writing a check to Josh Jacobs. Right. He can do that, by the way, today. He's not going to. His level of support ends at, you know, the, the character limit of his tweet. That's it. That's it. That's that's where the support ends. And that's, honestly, that's where the support ends for everybody. Everybody on Twitter making a big deal about it and all how much they want to change everything. Nobody's actually willing to do a single thing to help any of these people. It's just, I want to seem like a good person by supporting people that are supposedly oppressed. It's It's all just a big show and it's all nonsense. It's all garbage. It doesn't mean anything. But you're right. Yeah, that's that's probably what they're going to want. You know, you're you're over and, and I'm already seeing that when you look at the tweets about um Herbert getting the contract. It's just immediately this this sense of disgust like, "Ugh, that's so much money." Because it all just comes down to this notion of equality. We all have to be equal. Like, why should they get so much when we get so little? Which, you know, a 7-year-old should be understand uh, be able to understand, but apparently half this country can't figure that out. So now we have to deal with that with and, and this, this isn't going to end. It's not going to end with running backs. It's not going to end this year. This is going to be a running theme all the time. Every time a quarterback gets gets fifty million a year, it's going to be discussed. Edge rushers getting thirty five million, it's going to be discussed. Running backs, tight ends, guards, all these people, it's going to be just discussed with how little they get paid. Maybe kickers. Right now, kickers are uh, not love, but eventually, you know, maybe oh, how terrible. Of course, they're valuable. How could you not pay them? The 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 gap in pay is just inconscionable. I just don't want to deal with it, but I think that this whole nonsensical thing is completely here to say. You know what I would love? You want to know how to actually fix this problem? We should start a 33rd football team. I don't care how you do it. Start a 33rd football team and let any one of these people run that team. In fact, we could just change which person. Like, pick, pick a fan that thinks they freaking know everything. Let them run it. Let somebody who thinks that we should have more equity and pay run a football team. You go ahead and pay the running back $25 million and find a quarterback that you're going to pay $25 million and do that throughout your entire team. Pay everybody, that, which by the way, you can't. If you want to actually uh, equalize the amount of pay, everyone's going to get about a million bucks. But um, yeah, there's, there's no money, especially if you want like what, 90? So I, I guess like 2 million bucks because what do you have, 90 at one point? Before you start cutting down, you you have to keep that within your salary cap. You can't just be like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll cut a bunch of them and then we'll, then we'll be able to make the salary cap work. Nope, got to make it work today. So if you want to actually equalize the amount of money, everybody's going to be poor. And by poor, I mean like two million bucks a year. So, so there's going to be a pay decrease for running backs, basically. But a big increase for half your team that's making like a half a million bucks, good for them. But yeah, just, just let them run the team. Let them run that thing right into the ground. That will be the app. That will be the 33rd ranked team every single year. That team is going to suck. Let that team go every single year for the next 20 years. Let them see if they can scratch their way, even up to second worst. They're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to find a way to be the second worst team in football. That team is going to be garbage. I don't know. But Anyhow, solidarity. Fight for $15 million. <laughs> got to support these poor running backs. <laughs> Sorry, Minimum wage, $15 million. Austin Eckler. Dude came in as a chief running back and stole someone's job. Now he's bitching about getting paid. I mean, he's, 
he uh he got cut off there obviously but it, it's actually not a terrible point when you think about it what if you did say the minimum was 15 million you know what the salary cap per team would have to be 800 million dollars it's a little bit less than that but if you take the 51 that are included times 15 million it'd be 765 and if you actually took the NFL salary cap and divided it evenly among 51 players, which I know is not the, the, the case being made today, but I, I'm very confident that that lies heavily behind what all this is about, it would be $4.4 million, which means running backs are actually overpaid, if we're talking starting running backs. The guys who are clamoring for wanting wide receiver money and think that they should be making 20-some-odd million also, no, you should be making 4.4. At least that's what would be fair. You and your quarterback as well as the fifth string running back, should all be making $4.4 million. Or we could just all stop being so dumb and just accept that the value is what the value is, and there's no big, massive conspiracy theory taking place here. That would be ideal. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll come back and hear the second part of Bramble's call uh, on the other side. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Has calling back, has finished with points on the running backs. Um, as you're getting into with the data from the early 30s and whatever shows that passing is more effective. At least we can watch a, a, a Pony League game and just see that, you know, 
team that can throw the ball is going to win. Um, but, I mean, it, it took a while for them to adapt because, I mean, look at look at some of those players going over the middle catching passes back then to get their head knocked off. Yeah. You know, there was there were far greater incentives to keep running the ball back then and up until, as previous caller stated, um, well, in the previous caller I was responding to about running backs. <laughs> um, people get killed. Then they, they loosened up the rules. They loosened up the quarterback. Um, unnecessary roughness rules. And allowed for the passing game to open up. So it was the rules that were keeping running backs in place. I mean, if if you couldn't night train lane a receiver over the middle in the 30s, I'm sure they would have passed it all a lot more. But um, you could, I don't know how much you could pay me to go over the middle and take a flying clothesline to a, a non-face mask face and play for a while. So I don't know. I'm going to quit monopolizing and uh, get off the airways here. Thanks for everything. Yeah, and again, a lot of it just comes down to efficiency. How efficiently can you move the ball down the field? And I think what the data was showing is that passing has generally always been better than running. But yeah, as we move more toward a passing league and as the um, rules favor passing more, it just makes it more and more efficient. So whereas these are the running situations, these are the passing situations, and overall passing is better. It's really gotten to the point now today where, as I said, there's almost no situation in football where running makes more sense, unless you're trying to like bleed the clock down or anything like that. But assuming the goal is moving the ball down the field efficiently, passing is the way to do that. Hey, Ryan, Cal, from the chip here. Hey. With that whole thing I was saying before about the coaches front office, I was just saying Packers, what do you think about that? And also... That caller was saying with the smoke hamburgers, either they've never done it or they've never done it right. Because, oh boy, they are some good things. And recently, yeah, I've done the pork butt, brisket, ribs, Italian sausage, and chicken, and some broths and hamburgers. Yes, hamburgers. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, we need, we gotta start swapping some sort of recipes or start another podcast, a food one. That'd be fantastic. Got from the chip out. You're the second person that said to me that I need to start that today. Um, said it today, and man, I want to so bad. I, I just I enjoy the living crap out of it. Plus, I think there's probably a lot of people on here that don't enjoy it and would love for it to go somewhere else. But yeah, I'm I'm really um, I'm enjoying it, and I'm tempted to dabble. But at the same time, I know how time consuming this. Um, this time period is as far as tracking all the, the, the news and the notes and everything else. It's, it's probably going to be better if we hold off and wait until the next off season and launch something, if I'm being honest. But the temptation is certainly there. Then the only other question is, can I convince my half-Mexican lawyer, Blaine, to be my co-host? I like doing solo, but, you know, be good to kind of have something bouncing back and forth, talking food. But yeah, it's... um. Not a lot of people that I've got to buy in on the smoked burger thing. Which, again, I, I didn't realize that, that I, I saw somebody talking probably a year ago or whatever. They're like, oh, this is like a new thing that's really starting to gain popularity. I'm like, that's just how I cook them. I didn't really think about it. But, um, yeah, th there's two ways that I like to eat. Well, technically three. I, I genuinely like 
the sous vide burgers. I know that's probably not going to be popular for a lot of people, but if you're making big fatty burgers, you just get that perfect medium rare, and then you can sear the ever-loving crap out of it. But yeah, smoke burgers and smash burgers are absolutely delicious. And I, I just view them as two different things. It's like, which one do you like better? It's like, I don't know, man. It depends on the day, I guess. They're just very different. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of a lot of different things, too, where it's like I'm, I'm starting to appreciate the grilling aspect now more that so than, not, not I shouldn't say more so, but more than I was, whereas before everything was just smoking. And really, it just comes down to, it. if I could split it up into two ways, one is focused on internal temperature and one is focused on that Maillard reaction. And generally, like if you get a thinner cut, you want to do the just just overflame grilling because, you know, if you try smoking it, which I, I always used to do even on thinner cuts, the problem is you really don't get a good sear on it. If you do, you overcook it. So I would never really get a good, very good sear because I was too scared of messing up the internal. That was always my biggest thing. I got to have a perfect internal temperature all the way through. So I didn't really get a good sear on it. Then you start putting a really good sear on stuff. And it's like, oh man, that's really good. Well, if you think about it, smoked burgers, I mean, you are putting a lot of smoke flavor on it, and you can put a sear on it after. That's not really an issue, but it is mostly about getting that really good edge-to-edge internal medium rare and then putting a sear on it after that. Smash burger is just, I want this entire thing to be a flat piece of Maillard reaction. Both sides are basically just just seared. There's almost no meat that isn't seared. And then you just put two of them together so it, it has sort of more of the thickness of a burger. But it's like just the sear part of a burger on both sides. So it's four-sided, just seared burger. So again, it, it is very different. I, I thoroughly enjoy a perfectly cooked, medium-rare, meaty, juicy burger with a solid sear on it. But I also just enjoy a good smash burger, which is basically just like nothing but the sear. It's kind of like with your kids when they, they don't like the outside. Like when I grill stuff sometimes, I don't like the black parts, which I want to force them to do it. But it's like, whatever, I just cut it off because it tastes good anyways. They just want the inside, the plain meat. It's the opposite of that, though. It's like cutting off the outside of a burger and just eating that and leaving the inside. <laughs> hey, Ryan, this is Danny from Kansas. Just a comment about the recent posting about the, quote, unfair position that uh, NFL running backs are in. Sure. Uh, obviously, the market will dictate how much running back gets paid. You Correct. can't move that. You can't change that. If you try and uh, dictate how much running backs should get paid, that's no longer a market. Right. That's the, the word market includes the bargaining and the haggling that goes with any commodity. That's part of the definition. Anyway, um, uh, besides that, I'm wondering if... Well, it's actually kind of an interesting point because, you know, the, the antithesis to a free market is sort of a, a controlling, centralized government figure or some kind of a body that determines value somewhat arbitrarily. I mean, it, it tries not to be arbitrary. But ultimately, I mean, the only way to get an actual real concrete value is to allow the sort of free market to to dictate to it. But the question then becomes, okay, let's say we do have a central body. What is that central body going to base it on? You can't base it on much data because the, the better job you do basing it on data, not only is it going to not increase running back pay, but if you give it over to the stat nerds, it's probably going to decrease their pay. So what are you going to base it on? Well, it's going to be like every other political body that can has massive amounts of power, it's going to become political. So when Twitter blows up in a firestorm about how unfair this is, guess what? Running backs are all going to get a pay raise. Why? Because it's the popular trend of the day. 
And then, of course, it'll be the experts say so. So now even I can't even come on the podcast and say, that isn't the market where, oh, really? So the experts say, but you can't? You know better than the experts? You say better than the experts? Right, the completely biased experts who are giving them a pay raise because people on Twitter are crying about it. The point is, though, it's not going to get better. The market is exactly where it should be because it's where the teams are willing to pay based on the value that they're offering. It's exactly the value that they're willing to pay. How do I know? Because it's exactly what they're paying them. All you're really trying to do if you centralize that is you're trying to get as close to the real answer without knowing the real answer as you possibly can. What are we doing here? I know I'm going too deep into the weeds on it, apart from what you're saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm serious, though. If, if we don't allow the quote-unquote market to dictate to it, what is going to dictate? What are we going to do? Twitter polls? Are we going to have like a... Uh, that like a top 100 list where the players all get together and they just vote and then hey the players would know the players obviously know you think you know better than the players yeah i i a little bit i do actually yeah running backs will just come out of college early i mean will there be will, will there be any four year uh college running backs because if you're you know you're not getting a lot of uh salary per year uh, the way to cash in is to come out earlier and have more years. Yeah. Um, on the offensive line, centers get paid quite a bit less than than tackles do, but there's mm-hmm. no hubbub about that. It doesn't seem it's the value. Not yet. We'll see if this if this continues to blow up or if it's just running backs that are the victims. Which again, this whole thing has been kind of weird. And I'm guessing my thought is it's because running backs have made a stink about it, right? Running backs said, I am a victim, and then you just get the horde of people coming in. And they haven't talked about centers because this isn't a thought-out thing. This isn't something that people actually sat down and said, you know what? This is an injustice. If they did, it would have been kickers and punters and centers and a whole bunch of other... It's just running backs. Why? Because running backs went on camera and started weeping, and, and the empathetic people came flocking, going, oh, don't cry, I'll help you by telling people that I care and then do nothing about it. To me, it's just more evidence that this isn't a thought-based situation that we're in. It's an emotion-based situation. But what usually happens with these is you point out the logical inconsistencies and they go, okay, fine. Yeah, centers too. So I think that's where we're going to go. As soon as you point out, well, why don't you talk about centers? Why don't you talk about guards? Why don't you talk about linebackers? Why don't you talk about safeties? Why don't you talk about tight ends? Why don't you talk about punters and kickers? They have two choices. Say, you know what? You're right. I didn't actually care. I just felt bad for running backs because they were crying, or just say, yeah, exactly, them too. And again, assuming this conversation even continues, which it may not, this may just fizzle out, Saquon's already accepted a contract, we'll see. Some people get super hung up on this and they make it their life mission, and if there's enough of them, then it won't go away. And I'm sure the writers, because goodness knows the freaking NFL writers are just insufferable with stuff like this, and personalities, I'm sure they don't want to let this go, but yeah, I, I if I had to guess, it will go on to all these other positions and it's going to just simply be a question of inequity and then when you simply point out the market oh you're telling me that a quarterback is worth 262 million but a running back isn't worth 10 literally exactly what i'm telling you yes yes exactly what i'm telling you so i yeah i'm i I think we'll get there i unfortunately i think that's going to be a thing you have that position how do centers deal with it uh generally a they're good at their job uh, and B, they just plan on having a career that's probably probably longer. Um, teams that will, you know, use running backs less, uh, running backs who are willing to stay with that team for maybe a 
smaller than, you know, quote, what they believe market value is. Uh, so maybe you have a, a running back that's not used that much, but the running back sticks with that team for, you know, 10 or 12 years. Maybe that's too, too many, but, uh, not a lot of wear on the tires because offenses are going away, supposedly, from the running game. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that running backs can cash in without making the demands that uh, they just get paid more per year. That seems to be, that, that's gonna phase out real quick. You're gonna, you're gonna, uh, um, extinct your own, you know, species there. Yeah. Um, I don't hear any fullbacks complaining because, oh wait, fullback is already gone. Yeah, that's they true. The entire position just went away and nobody cared. <laughs> Which again is another good point. Was that some massive conspiracy that GMs or, or owners are like, oh, I'm so tired of paying these fullbacks so much money, we should make them extinct? Or did it go extinct because it didn't really fit the modern NFL anymore? The, the answer is obvious and nobody even questions it. There's nobody that's like, I, I don't think, I think fullbacks are valuable. I, I just think that this is an injustice. The, the larger point is everybody knows the right answer. People, there's just a very large group of people that are pretending they don't know. And it drives me nuts. But yeah, I mean, that'll all be kind of personal decisions on what people choose to do. I mean, I saw some people like, yeah, who was it? The heck said it? It was like, if you have a kid and he's in football, tell him not to be a running back. Why? Why? Because if he's a gifted running back, he's only going to get, what, a... a $25 million contract over five years? Yeah, no, you should you should go uh, flip burgers at McDonald's instead of being an NFL running back. Shut up. Good Lord. How about this? Nobody should be a football player. Everybody should be a soccer player. If you have a kid that is a, that is a really good quarterback and has offers from, you know, Alabama and everybody up to, to, to Ohio State, say, well, probably shouldn't go to Ohio State because you're NFL career will be garbage. But you're getting these offers. Don't do it because soccer players get a lot more money. See, a guy got offered $1.1 billion. I mean, it wasn't directly to him. I guess like some of that went into like a transfer fee, but it was like over $700 million was the offer for this player. I mean, just unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, if you want to come out of college early to try to get a, a job in the NFL because you get one more extra year or two more extra years, maybe pending injury and all that stuff, sure, that makes sense. But you could say that about every position. You know, I mean, wide receivers, why not capitalize on one more year? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think we all kind of agree this whole thing is just stupid and useless and 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 you know part of the issue is i because it's bad information i think it, it ends up having a bad result i mean you will probably have people coming out of college too early that are running backs for that reason because they believe the false premise that it's all about age and it's not it's just about pure value so you should stay in college you should get better get drafted higher and make more money you know i mean that's that's part of the issue with you know, playing these games where we just do all these nice things and say nice things. The problem is we're not living in reality. And when you don't live in reality, there's negative consequences to that. In order to make the best possible decisions and move forward in the best possible and most efficient ways, you need to have the best possible information. And if you're just making up crap because it makes you feel good, we're going to start going in the wrong direction. People are going to make bad, life-altering, terrible decisions based on you trying to make yourself feel better. Don't do that. Hey, Ryan. Data from California. What up? 
I heard your little spiel about the Justin Fields 4,000 yard thing. And yeah. It's pretty spot on. I just looked at DraftKings on their sports book, and the over-under is like 2,800 yards. So yeah. Maybe it's more like what you think, right? Can we, like, just get to 3,000 before we start saying, I'm going to break it this year? Right. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, And, and I, I understand, like, in this NFL, 4,000, it's it's not a, a mo- you know mountain to climb over like it used to be. Right. But, you know, because... Certain guys have got to 5,000, I think, right? Oh, yeah. I think uh, three stops until, what, like 52 or something? I don't know, but, like, get to 3,000 first. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, just focus on your improvement, but all that tells me is uh, he's buying into the hype that everybody's putting in his head, you know? I think uh, people would keep, keep inflating his head, so, you know, he shows up and not ready for week one. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) Well, and and it it just goes, not even just his head, but everybody else's. You know, all over Twitter tonight, um, Justin Fields was in the top 100, which he should not be in the top 100. He is not good enough to be considered one of the top 100 players. That's absolute nonsense. But players voted for him because players like him and whatever, for, for whatever reasons that may be. Um, but it's 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 irrelevant. But here's here's the point. Okay, fine. Is anybody going to put their money where their mouth is? This is the problem. It's so easy to prop a guy up like that when all you have to put on the line is your words. But what does Vegas, who has to put their money on the line, actually say about him? Do, do, do they think he's going to get 4000 They don't even think he's going to get 3000 And how many of these people are going to put their money where their mouth is and say he's going to get 4000 passing yards? Very few, and the ones that actually buy into this um, nonsense, if they put their money where their mouth is, they're probably going to lose their money. And that's, I mean, really, that would be the best way to handle this stuff. And this is why I said, if you want to make money, don't go to Vegas, go to Twitter. We need to find a way to have some kind of like an escrow set up. So we can just have these little bets. I'm sure it's illegal, but it would be great. You just have these little bets. Somebody says something stupid, like, I think Justin Fields is going to get 4,000 yards. And, and make no mistake, he might. But do you understand how great those odds are? Let me see if I can find that. Because sometimes you can adjust it. I can't adjust I found it on DraftKings. I can't adjust it. Sometimes you can adjust it. Like with wins, you know, it'll be Packers plus or minus 7.5. And, and you're like, well, what is it if I say they're going to have over 11? Well, they're going to give you unbelievable odds. The point is, you can get such good odds <laughs> if you argue with people that don't know what they're talking about on Twitter that buy into nonsense hype. I mean, you can do this to Packer fans all day long. Go for, go find somebody that says that Magoo is going to beat out Jordan Love and just just say I'll I'll give you a freaking what do you want five to one odds I don't I don't care just don't even give them just say I just let's make a bet see if they'll do it would you would you make a bet could be a small bet ten bucks bet me ten dollars do you know how many bets you can make I, you would be a millionaire if you could find a way to legally do that if you find out you let me know immediately okay we're gonna make we're gonna clean up on social media because it's full of morons. People that want to run their mouth, but nobody wants to actually back it up with anything. And, that, and that'll be the ultimate thing. Like, listen, do you, do, you, do you want to put your money down, or are you just talking just to talk? Everybody throws their support behind Justin Fields. Why? Because it's easy. It doesn't cost you anything. And I think a big part of it is any quarterback, and this, this is, you can go back and 100% check this as much as you want. Any quarterback that gets labeled a running back you watch how much support comes just swooning for that quarterback. 
Justin Fields is labeled a running back. Lots of support for Justin Fields. Un, 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 uh, for, for reasons I don't understand. Oh, he's a top 100 player. He's this, he's that. It's, it's garbage. He's going to crack 4,000 yards. Oh, yeah, he's definitely going to do that. Vegas says 28-50 and a half. 18 and a half touchdowns. It's just silliness. I, I just, I, I, I don't like that people are so comfortable just saying nonsense that even they don't believe. You know what I mean? Like, why, why does reality and truth matter that little to you? I, I just, I don't understand that. Hey, Ryan. It's Aaron from Eau Claire. Go on, Mike. Uh, just wanted to comment on a discussion that's been happening on your uh, podcast about the, uh, per, like, the, the chances of Jordan Love being a third consecutive good quarterback in a row for Green Bay. Yeah. And, um, the, the statistical probability discussion and all that stuff. You know, another thing that I think is funny is um, that there we forget that sometimes the probability is defined. Like, um, what what's the probability of Tom Brady getting seven Super Bowl rings? You know, you could you could make the argument. Well, no one's gotten more than four before Tom Brady. So you could say, well, that the statistical probability of someone getting seven is astronomically high based on what's happened in the past. So there's no way he's getting seven. And yet here he is with seven rings. I think it's seven, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but again, it's not to say that, you know, the Packers will get three in a row, but it's almost yes. Is it pro- probably going to be the case that you know finding three in a row very good quarterbacks is going to be challenging? It's going to be unlikely. Um, yes, I think so. I think you're. I, I like what you say about it. it's like you're skeptical, but you're not ruling it out. Um, and that's where I would kind of land on that. Is you know. Yes, do the do the probabilities lie this way? Sure, they probably um, point to an unlikely chance that Green Bay will get uh, get hot three times in a row. However, that same you know Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls. Um, you know what are the chances of any one quarterback getting seven rings? I mean, so. Who's, who's to say that the Packers couldn't be um, the Tom Brady getting Super Bowls of of uh, NFL franchises picking quarterbacks? I mean, just just saying, wonder what your thoughts are. Thanks. Yeah, and my, my whole thing is we just need to remove the three-in-a-row discussion. It's not about three-in-a-row. It's about one more. We've already got two, right? So the, the comparison to Tom Brady getting seven isn't even – that Tom Brady got seven, so why can't we get three? It's more like Tom Brady won six. Can he get a seventh? The Packers got two. Can they get a third? Well, yeah, Tom Brady can get a seventh. He already got six. Why couldn't he get one more? Right? And even that is, you know, maybe a little bit overstated because, you know, some people have tried to make the case that, well, maybe the Packers are better getting quarterbacks. Maybe. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. There's no point in bringing up three in a row. 
We already got two. The question is, can Jordan Love be a Hall of Fame quarterback? And there's no reason he can't. Whether he can or whether he can't is based on his own merits. All right, just like Tom Brady getting a seventh has nothing to do with the prior six. I mean, it kind of does because it has, in a positive way, you know, he's that good, you kind of expect it. But it, there's, there's no negative force in the universe saying, well, seven is too hard. Well, yeah, seven is too hard if you're starting from zero. But if you have six already, it's just another Super Bowl. Which, again, the odds of winning a Super Bowl are low. But there's no negative force in the universe saying, uh-uh, seven is too hard, so I'm going to make it harder for you than everybody else. Same with Jordan Love. There's no negative force in the universe that is holding us back because of Favre and Rodgers. It's hard to get three in a row. It's nearly impossible, but we already got two. So that's we just got to stop even talking about three in a row. It's irrelevant. We already got two. Hey, Ryan. Hey, hey Ryan, one more time. Um, quick... Uh, addition to your win predictions, uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict nine and eight season for the Packers this year um, because I do have a lot of optimism for their team. I do have a lot of optimism for Jordan Love. I do think they have a lot of talent, but I also know that uh, uh, with Inexperience comes, um, what's the right word? Um, ups and downs. So uh, I'm going to go nine and eight. And I do think Joe is a janitor. Um, so count me in as a truther. All right, we're officially getting rid of the truther denier thing. I'm deleting it right this second because we are all truthers down the line. That one's gone. I will add you in here. Um, by the way, completely agree with the up-down thing. And I think it's going to make things difficult because the unfortunate reality is, I think, could be wrong. Maybe they just come in and dominate every second of every day unlike any team in the history of football ever. But, you know, I mean, e- even really good Packers teams struggled. You know, 13-win teams getting blown out week one. That stuff happened. And we went on to win 13 games, you know. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot bumpier than those w- years we won 13 games. And, and the problem is there's going to be less patience. When you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, and it's basically the exact same team as last year with very little changes. I mean, let's not include 2022. Let's just look at the rest of the years. It's easy to look at it and go, eh, we'll come back. We'll be fine. That's not going to be the case this year. Nobody believes in the defense because of Joe Barry. Nobody believes in the offense because of Jordan Love, right? So if things are bad, there's, see, see, bad, told you, sucks. And it's like, Whatever, man. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. That part of it is going to be painful. Hello, Ryan. Hi. It's been a minute. Been a Took while. a little break because uh, you were backed up. A lot of calls. A lot of people hearing my voice a lot of times and a lot of times felt like people didn't want to hear my voice, which is fair. It's not a good one. But I'm here now with a question relating to the Packers, and it is, could you break down what you believe to be the most used players in each position? Let's just go with wide receiver, halfback, and tight end. Make it a little, not everybody, but, you know, just the pass catchers. Okay. The people are going to get the ball a lot. Who do you think is going to be used more? Tucker Craft or Musgrave? What... Do you think is going to, who, who do you think is going to get the most receptions out of the receiver? All right, so I, I thought we were just going snap counts all the way down, but so we're saying who's going to be used more, Tucker Craft or Musgrave? <sighs> That's kind of tough 
Um, Musgrave is the easiest answer just because there seems to be some chemistry there as a receiver. But at the same time, I think he's going to be largely just that receiving guy. You know, he's going to spend a lot of time in the slot or whatever. But if if you're just looking for, um, you know, let's say, let's say you're in eleven personnel, so he just got one tight end on the line. Who's it going to be? I I would kind of think it's going to be Tucker Craft, right? And 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 it's entirely possible Tucker Craft ends up being the better just overall tight end and receiver. That's still a possibility. So we start from the premise of saying. Tucker Craft has a role that Musgrave probably doesn't. And maybe it'll be Tucker Craft is mostly a blocker and Musgrave is mostly a receiver, but that's still like 50-50, like who gets the most usage? And you're going to want the guy that's more versatile because you don't want to be so one-dimensional that you know he's out there as a receiver. So you take Tucker Craft, you put him in as a blocker, you use him once in a while as a receiver. All things being equal, you kind of look at it and say Tucker Craft will be on the field more often. Then you say, I don't know that Tucker Craft isn't and it doesn't end up being the the better receiver this year, or just the better overall player getting more usage. It makes it kind of tough. So, on one hand, I lead Musgrave because I think they're going to want to utilize him a lot. I think he's going to be out there to stress the defense a lot, and it's entirely entirely possible Tucker Craft just never really gets the hang of these things. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn on that. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where everyone's going. It's obviously t- Musgrave, and then. At the end of the year, Musgrave blows him out in terms of snaps, and it's like, yeah, I, I guess I should have known that I overthought it. But I think you can relatively easy make, easily make a case for Tucker Craft and just say that we're overhyping Musgrave simply because he caught like three passes and OTAs while Tucker Craft was basically injured the whole time, right? So I, I guess I would lean Musgrave, but you could very easily see a scenario where Tucker Craft ends up getting slightly more usage. Who's going to get more receptions out of the receivers? Again, that's kind of a tough one. Um, I think, you know, wide receiver one is going to be Christian Watson. I think he may be on the field more often. Will he get more receptions? I don't know. I still think it's probably the safest bet. Because if you say Christian Watson's probably going to be on the field more than anybody, and I don't know who number two is. In other words, Romeo Dobbs could easily get more receptions than Christian Watson, but so could Jaden Reed. Like, if there's another guy that's more of a reception-type guy, I don't know who that guy is. So it still makes Christian Watson the safer bet. I know everybody's all in on Romeo Dobbs, but I'm just saying. I think Jaden Reed is, is a, I think, more talented athlete. I think he has better hands. I think he has better route running. I think he has, I know he has more speed, better yards after the catch. Romeo Dobbs has just got a year on him and has put in a ton of work and understands the offense and has built a relationship with Romeo, with uh, Jordan Love. But through the course of this process, if Jaden Reed starts to pick things up, he may end up being that guy. In other words, sort of that number two. And then it becomes Christian Watson or Jaden Reed. But I, I guess the point is it's either a question of Watson or Dobbs or it's Watson or Reed. So the easier choice is just to just, just say Watson. That way you don't have to worry about whether it's Romeo or Reed. I personally think Watson is going to be the big play guy. I think the receptions are going to go to Reed, and I think Dobbs. There you go. I think he's going to be a a, a little sneaky, sneaky little guy this sneaky year. I think uh, a lot of people are going to be focusing on Watson because of his uh, last year, and Reed I think might shine out early on. So defenses are going to kind of gravitate towards him, which leaves Romeo a little uh, a little leeway to shine a little bit. And then, of course, you got the two-headed bull with a cheetah 
feed. I don't know what, what are we doing here. It's been a minute since I've called, so I'm not necessarily as refined, which I was never before. But anyway, back to it. <laughs> Who do you think is going to get the most receptions in each area? You broke down the yard a couple days ago. Uh, but just overall, all the pass catchers, the players there, breakdown yards, reception, touchdown. What special uses do oh, no. they might have? I'm not have doing any of this. Season. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Bye. Till next time. In about like five minutes, because you know how this works. Yeah, that that got super complicated down the down the stretch there. Um, yeah, I I I I I can't do. I mean, that's a whole show. But um, look, I'll I'll go with what I kind of, where I thought this was kind of heading. I think Musgrave is tight end one. I think he's our number one receiving tight end, which kind of de facto makes him our top tight end. Tucker Craft may end up getting more usage just based on his functionality as a blocker, but we'll see. Ideally, that is the case. I mean, I really, I mean, I, I it might even be undersold how pivotal these tight ends could be if they both end up being good tight ends. I'm not even necessarily saying like two Travis Kelseys, obviously that's silly, but I mean, if we just have really good, if they can just be what we kind of want them to be, how incredibly pivotal pivotal that can be. Um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I thought you mentioned running back at one point, and then we just didn't get to it. There is some talk about A.J. Dillon possibly overtaking Aaron Jones as as the primary runner. I don't think that's going to happen. The only case, I shouldn't say the only case, but the, the one case in which you could convince me is if you could first convince me we're going to run the ball more, which I don't know that we are. Maybe, maybe marginally, but not enough to really impact things. And the only reason I say that is because Aaron Jones is the number one receiver, but you also have a track record of trying to preserve him. So if you're not, if you're only going to have two running backs, one runs twelve times and one one runs seven times, you can have Aaron Jones handle that twelve per game until you get down later in the season, start giving him fifteen, twenty carries as the the importance of these things really starts to take off. But if your number one running back is running twenty times and then another guy is running twelve times, you might want AJ Dillon to be the twenty guy because he can take the pounding. And then let Aaron Jones be that 12. But I don't think we're going to ramp up running to that degree. Now, maybe there's another case to be made somewhere along the line, but that's the only thing off the top of my head I could think in which I would switch them. Um, and then wide receivers, again, a, a lot of these, I shouldn't say that questions are going to be answered because they're not going to be answered, but it'll start to come into focus. But as I see it, Watson's the number one. Romeo Dobbs seems to be the number two, uh, possibly even the number one. I, I think the Packers adore the guy as they should. He puts in about as much work as anybody else. He's borderline, you could say, the Rashawn Gary of the offense in terms of a guy that's just upset. You know, he just works. That's what he does. Um, Jaden Reed, I guess, would be the de facto number three, but we don't know that. I mean, he he may really struggle, and and you know, if a guy like Wicks can kind of step up, then then he would end up being that next dude. Um, we'll see about Samori Turi. A lot of people pumped up about that eight pounds. Uh, I th- I think he's in kind of a tough spot. Because I think he does need to show, you know, we we got a bunch of young guys. You're you're in a year two guy, so you, you need to stand out. You should not allow a guy like Dontavian Wicks or Grant Debose, who I know is is injured right now, but when he comes back, or or Malik Heath or anybody else for that matter, to be able to show you up. You know, if if you're just one of these pile of late round slash undrafted free agent guys, and you can't keep your head above water, which is what's tough about this, because it's it's all young wide receivers. Nobody has been here, I don't think, for more than two years, or for, for more than one year. This would be their second year. And many of which were not even drafted within the last two years. So if you're just one of these pile of somewhat dispensable players, in other words, you know, we, we, we try to put them on a, 
on a pedestal above guys like DeBose or Malik Heath or Jadakus Bonds. But really, if we just call sixth round, seventh round undrafted free agent kind of a pile, then it's just a pile. It's it's Malik Heath, it's Samori Ture, it's it's you know Bo Melton, Grant DeBose, Jeff Cotton, Jadakus Bonds, Deuce Watts, just a pile of guys and who's going to end up emerging. You have to show that you are not just a part of this pile. You are clearly that whole year and those eight pounds and all that stuff that you did clearly differentiates you like you're miles ahead of dentavian wicks like maybe someday you'll be something but today it's turret time baby even Jaden reed's trying to keep up with you that's kind of what he needs to do otherwise if you're just another guy that's easily easily replaceable yeah we, we got our three we presume wicks will will be ahead of you if not now soon that makes you at best number five and we assume that we can easily find a better version of you at some point through undrafted free agency, at some point through free agency, at some point through a different seventh round pick or a different sixth round or fifth round or fourth round or third round. We'll find somebody better than you. So yeah, he's 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 got to really be able to demonstrate he's the dude or a dude of some kind. All right, we're, we're going late, but I'm going to do at least one more here, um, just because, again, I want to get as, as close to caught up as we can. We still have 15 calls after this call, which is way more than I'd like, but it is what it is. We'll see how it goes. I may have to end up skipping calls. Again, if it does, I apologize. Just call back. If it's still relevant, just call back. So, again, we'll we'll uh, we'll see. But, Omar, what's going on, man? What's going on? It's Omar Firefighter. How you doing? Good. Uh Normally when I call, I, I take it off Bluetooth and have the phone in my hand, but it's trying to be a little more safe. Um, so I'll be on the car, talking talk through the car. Get it. So excuse me. I'm going to try to stay in the lane so you don't hear this beeping noise. <laughs> like you might have just heard. Yep. So uh, anyway, I wanted to expand on a comment because I agree with you and I feel like um, this is what Brian uh, Gutekind is doing on our backup quarterback situation. So, Butler, I'm already messing up. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, I feel like they're saying, Jordan Love, it's 100% you, you got the show. Now, let's say he's trash, he's trash all season, we get one of these superstars at QB. Or, let's say he's doing all right, but he gets injured out for the year, and we get like a top five pick. We're still going to go with the new quarterback problem. Because they're a generational quarterback, we're going to still probably draft one. Or if they're like in four games, they feel like Jordan Love is doing his thing, then we'll get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. But basically, it's like an all or nothing. Because in reality, I don't feel like we're going to win the Super Bowl right. off top right now. And as John Afghanistan, just being a realist, I don't feel like our team is on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl right now. We have a good team, and I think we can make the playoffs most definitely. But I don't feel like we're a Super Bowl team. I think backups tend to be, or people care about backups. Uh, there you go again. <laughs> the thing about people tend to be backups is that they're like, they know they're going to make the playoffs, so they need to make sure somebody can win a game or two while QB is out. I feel like we're still building the house before it's complete, so... We, you know, it's like Jordan Love is awesome, then we don't need to add no more to the house and great. You know, but if he falls short, either through injury or doesn't play well, then we get a brand new luxurious house, you know, to build in. And we can just move all the good pieces out this house and put it into the next house. And that's why I honestly feel like we're not doing it. Also, it'll give uh, Sean Clifford opportunity to play, learn how to play, to just be the backup for where we draft next year. So I feel like 
it's like a win-win situation. Uh, in a way, like, it's, you're kind of giving up on this year, but I don't feel like, again, like we're a 100% complete team. I feel like people probably be able to run the ball on us as well. And, you, you know, he'd be able to stop that to do good in the playoffs. But anyway, that's my opinion on it. Let me know what you think, agree or disagree. All right, Omar out. Yeah, so, I mean, the 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 first part of it is kind of tricky in terms of like, okay, running through the different scenarios, what do you do? I mean, it is a good question. If if Jordan Love looks okay, but he goes out and you have an opportunity, and, and, and let's say it is like number one pick, what do you do? Um, It, it might be kind of obvious to some people. I don't know that it's, it's an easy decision for me because, I mean, Caleb Williams is hard to turn away from, but at the same time, Let's just assume the Packers genuinely believe this is the guy. Like, they, they like what they see. They don't know, but they, they believe that he has that ability. They, they think that they've seen enough to think that maybe he can do it. Do you give up on all that? Because Caleb Williams isn't a sure thing, obviously. But man, he, he certainly is a type of quarterback that you may not come across for who knows how long. I mean, he's he's a borderline like Trevor Lawrence type. I mean, you know, the the that and and that's kind of the thing. You look at Jordan Love and and maybe we're all just being completely unfair to him and maybe he can be like an elite top 3, top 2, number 1 type of quarterback. I I know we're getting into Mahomes territory and that's blasphemous and all, but um you know, may, maybe he can be that. But that doesn't seem to be even amongst somewhat optimistic Love fans and, and Packer fans. I, I don't think that's what many people are are thinking. It's it's usually centered around, you know, can he be a top ten quarterback that's able to execute the system well enough to make the team good? If that's kind of where the team's at, because our opinion doesn't really matter. Again, maybe we're all just being unfair to him. But you got a guy that you genuinely think can be a Pat Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, a Justin Fields. <laughs> uh, I had to do it. I, I wish I wish I could see everybody's face just now. I hope I didn't make you run off the road, Omar. I, I just put 10 people in the hospital just now. No, but seriously, it's, it's not easy to turn away from that. On the other hand, it is hard to turn away from a guy that you've invested this much in that you genuinely, you know, if you flip a coin, yeah, I think, I think he's going to be good. And on top of that, like you said, you can get Marvin Harrison. I mean, can you imagine if you have Christian Watson on one side, Marvin Harrison on the other, and you can put Jaden Reed on the inside? Sorry to Romeo Dobbs and all, but I mean, good lord. Or put Dobbs in the... I don't care. It's a rotation. Just put them all out there. But freaking Marvin Harrison, you know, Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. Whatever combination. That's crazy. You know, Brock Bowers, maybe the best tight end to come out since Kyle Pitts. He might be better than Kyle Pitts. Legitimately, he might be a better tight end prospect than Kyle Pitts. You know, you can get a top five edge rusher, whoever that may be. You can get Kool-Aid McKinstry, son. I'm just... I don't think he's going to be that good anyways. But, you know, I... I, I it, it it really is a tough call, and, and and I on one hand hope we don't have to make it. I mean, it, if I'll, I'll be honest, I, I there are two really good scenarios here, and that this is gonna make some people not happy, but it's just how I feel. The one good scenario is Jordan Love is the answer, and he's really good, and we are in the playoffs. The second is Jordan Love is dog vomit. He is horrific, and it's so bad that none of us even questioned it, and and we end up getting a top pick and we get Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever the top quarterback prospect may be. Maybe one of these guys really establishes himself this year. This year. There, there isn't a good third option. I don't want Jordan Love to be okay. 
And I think if he's subpar, we don't get a quarterback. I think we roll with him again. In fact, I think he has to be abysmally bad in order for us to move on because I think the, the de facto or the default position of the Packers is going to be let's give him time. If, if we are picking 12th overall or even like 8th overall, and, you know, he was bad like nine games, he showed promise in like four games, and, you know, another four games or however many are left in my bad math that I wasn't even keeping track of, he, was, he actually looked good in. I don't want that. I want Jordan Love to either be really good or just the worst thing we've ever seen. I mean, like Zach Wilson is like, well, at least I'm not Jordan Love. I want Deshaun Kaiser, wherever he is, to be watching Jordan Love and just go, dude, that guy sucks. That is the second best option for us. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm greedy, man. I want an elite quarterback. I want an Aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre or a Pat Mahomes or a Joe Burrow. I don't want Daniel Jones. Is that his name? I'm blanking out here. I don't want Mac Jones. I don't want that. I don't want to be stuck in purgatory with this like, oh, he's okay. You know, like Mac Jones. He had a pretty good first year promising then he took a big step back and it's like yeah but i think it was matt patricia's fault he kind of sucks and it's like dude we're going into year three after a terrible year going yeah i mean he's he's not good and he'll probably never be great but he'll probably be better than what he was last year which was bad and maybe he could kind of be good and maybe if we can over the years build this offensive line and get these dude this ain't a 10-year plan okay i'm sorry we got to do something here this sucks I mean, as a Packer fan and as just an NFL fan slash observer, I don't mind sitting back going, you know, he wasn't that bad, and I think he could take a step and all that. As a fan of the team, though, no. No. Nope. He had two years. This sucks. You know, I mean, we don't really have anywhere else to go, so we'll, we'll see how year three goes. But I don't want to spend three years, especially considering the investment we already have in Jordan Love, and maybe that's the difference. Right, whereas a rookie that has a bad year, you give him another year. Maybe with Jordan Love, the Packers look at it and go, "You get one because you've been on you you've been here long enough that it shouldn't be bad." But if the quarterback class really is as talented as it's supposed to be, and that always changes, right? Caleb Williams, Drake May are the top guys. Quinn Ewers probably in the conversation. We'll see if he can step up. Bo Nix, uh, who is a guy that um, I'm trying to remember. Was it Riley Leonard? I think it might have been. Uh, our very own Jake Shavink was talking about one of the quarterbacks, and I think it might have been Riley Leonard out of Duke. I don't know, but whoever it is, if it's going to be a loaded quarterback class like it was in 2020, let's not be the one team that doesn't capitalize on that. Let's get one, man. Unfortunately, if I had to guess, we are going to be somewhere in that purgatory. I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be so horrific we get a top five pick. So I think we're going to be somewhere in the middle battling over what do we do moving forward and i'm probably gonna be sitting here going yeah we gotta give him another year you know i mean it wasn't bad he showed some promise i mean you can't just give up <sighs> please just be awesome jordan just just it would, it's gonna make my life so much easier and more enjoyable and the podcast is going to be great not just in terms of how many people are going to be listening but just the tone of it people calling in excited i can't believe it we got a third one let's go i need that man but again if, if you're not going to do that jordan do me a massive favor be the worst quarterback that has ever played football ever or at least bad enough to get us the number one pick i mean if you want to throw a couple touchdowns so that we have something to cheer that'd be great but Let's let's really let's really make sure that there is no doubt. Even if the Packers are going into it like no matter what, we're giving them a second chance. I want them to get to the end of the year and go, you know what? Never mind, that was stupid. We can't do it. 
Anyways, I guess we gotta get out of here sometime, so I'm gonna end it there. And before I forget, we've got another song for everybody. So I will allow Craig to serenade you with his new Green Bay Packers themed theme song. That's right back, can you hear the tale on like key championship that started with a lovely draft to spin a bumpy trip. The QB was an unknown man, Jones and Dylan were our backs. The receivers were young and fast, but unproven packs, unproven packs. Losing a Hall of Famer could be rough, but duty he held fast. If not for the leadership of Coach LaFleur, the Packers could be last. The Packers could be last. The team grew strong and energized, their talent would soon reign. With Kenny Clark, Alexander too, Rashad Gary, and Ben S. Akiari, Big Luke Musgrave, and Tucker Craft. Would they win the North again? Now here are things we know for sure. Bears suck for a long, long time. The Vikes are fake and Detroit, well Detroit and face an uphill climb. Some packs must step up, it's true, and do their very best to win close games and make Vince proud when they're put to the test. No picks, no holds, no wasted timeouts, not a stupid penalty. Like the Super Bowl in Dallas, it's time, it's time you see. So watch the green and gold play by play, we hope to get a smile and cheer on Packers of Green Bay as we win in style.